Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. All right, if you've got your Bibles, grab your Bible and open up to Joshua 7. Joshua chapter 7. Now, a lot of you would say, well, I'm, I'm here every week. I know it's going to be on the screen. And if you're thinking that, it's not. That's why I'm asking you to open up your Bible, okay? And uh, you're going to need it today. Um, we're going to be looking at a lot of different verses in the book of Joshua, specifically chapter 7 today. And so you're going to need it. If you didn't bring one today, there's a hardback black one in the pew rack in front of you, okay? So please grab it, open up the Joshua 7. And if you do not own a Bible, um, please take that hardback one. And let that be our gift to you. Uh, we want everybody to have um, access to God's Word. And we believe that God's Word is never changing, unfailing, infallible, not flawed whatsoever. And it will change your life. And so we believe that. Um, you'll notice up here on the screen that only one of the screens is working. Uh, we're lopsided today, okay? And we were last weekend, so we, we had uh, something go on with one of the fans in, in our uh, projector. So we are, we're just going to be lopsided for a few weeks. Sorry about that. Uh, we're doing our best. We dropped it off in um, North Carolina. That was the closest place to get it fixed was Flat Rock, North Carolina. So we dropped it off up there um, Thursday. All right. And Miss Cindy, we are thankful for your leadership in, in Christopher's absence, so we are grateful for you and choir. Y'all did a great job on that song. Amen, church? Amen. So, uh, if you would, would you stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word? And if you skipped your Bible reading time this morning, you're in luck. We're going to make it up. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. All right, all right, I don't know how that's actually pronounced, so we're going to go with I today, okay? Is that all right with y'all? All in favor? I. okay, perfect. That was a really bad preacher joke. <laughs> Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel. And said to them, go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out I. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not have all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack I. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up from the people and they fled before the men of I and their men. And the men of I killed about thirty-six of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? 
to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and will surround us and cut our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. And they have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people, and say, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, for thus says the Lord, God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man, and he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire." He and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought, the, brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near Zabdi's house, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And behold, it was hidden in his tent with, with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent and brought them to Joshua, to all the people of Israel. And they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and the, his sons and his daughters, and his oxen and his donkeys, and his sheep and his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them up to the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble upon us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned him with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the anger, or the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Acre. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we believe that every passage is purposeful. That all scripture is God-breathed. We believe that every bit of it is profitable for teaching, for correction, for rebuke, for training in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be fully equipped, complete, lacking in nothing. And so, Lord... By your Holy Spirit, would you please use this scripture to make us 
your people more like Jesus? Would you use your Holy Spirit today to crucify that which is of our earthly flesh and raise up in its place a new man or a new woman by the power of the resurrected Jesus? We need you. We love you. Help us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and soft hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Please be seated. Well, if that is not a Thanksgiving passage, I don't know what is. And they burn them all and stone them all and put stones on them. And the anger of the Lord was satisfied. And we go home, right? So today, we're going to look at the sin of thanklessness. The sin of thanklessness. And you go, how in the world did Ryan get the sin of thanklessness out of that passage? So, I'm going to do my best over the next few minutes to share with you how I believe that Achan's sin was the sin of thanklessness or ingratitude. So, we're going to share that. So, today I want to look at sin, the sin, sin's root, uh, sin's consequence, and sin's solution. And then we're going to talk for a moment about getting really practical about how do we practice thanksgiving. All right? So, let's look at the sin. Uh, Look at Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. Mr. James, can you get that up there? There we go. It says, But the people of Israel, they broke faith in regard to the devoted things. Mr. James, is this my slideshow, brother? All right. Can't get it working. All right, no problem. We just going to roll with it then. All right, y'all are going to have to use your imagination. It was a beautiful Thanksgiving picture, all right? Joshua 7, 1, it says, But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to, the, to devoted things. So Achan um, is going through Jericho. Remember, don't forget what just happened, all right? So they came into the land. The first city in Jericho, or in, in Israel, was Jericho, and they needed to take that city, this city of strongholds, this very powerful city. They came into Jericho, and remember, uh, God said, you're not going to need an army at first. You're going to need the marching band, so bring out the marching band, and the army will follow the marching band ready for war, but, but I'm going to do this in a different way so that the army can't get the glory, but the God of the army will, right? And so God says, walk around the city 13 times over seven days, and On the seventh time, on the seventh day, you're going to walk around the city, the horn's continually blowing, and then you're going to shout a great shout, and the walls of Jericho are going to tumble down flat, and you're going to go in, the army's going to go in, and you're going to leave everything there. It says this is like a lesson of first fruits, that all of the first fruits of the land belong to the Lord, right? And you're going to leave everything there, for everything in this city is devoted to destruction, The only things that you're going to save out of this city is a lady named Rahab. You're going to save Rahab out of this city. She was a a woman of the city. And she had trusted in God's messengers, or in, in God's message through his messengers. She hid them in her house. She hid the message in her heart. She trusted the Lord for mercy. And God showed up on her behalf and says, I'm going to save you. And in chapter 6, we learn that Uh, because of her faith, she was made a part of Israel by faith, not by birth. And that is our story. That's the gospel in Rahab right there. 
So everything for destruction. Now as Achan is going in, all of the things are for destruction. They're going in to, 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 to destroy and to find Rahab and to bring her out safely, Rahab and her family. Now Achan, he looks around and he sees something of his desire and he picks it up. So in the anger, look at the verse 1, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel, and that is a problem. That's a huge problem to have the anger of God burning against you. And so we see the sin. It's not clearly described, but all we see is that they broke faith in regard to devoted things. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Uh, What you need to understand is it says Israel broke faith. But what we hear is who broke faith? Achan. I want you to always see that the, the consequences of our sin are never only private. We might say at times that my sin only affects me, but I promise you, your sin will leak out and affect others sooner or later. And Achan was the only one that we found out that sinned. Maybe there were many other men that sinned, but Achan is the only named one. And Achan sinned, and God says Israel broke faith. So... Then in verse 20 and 21, we find out the the clarity of it. We see the picture. So if you've got your Bible, look at verses 20 and 21, and it says this. 20 says, And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, Then I coveted them and took them. Now, I want you to just note to yourself that this is very much like Genesis chapter 3 when Eve looked upon the fruit of the tree and she saw that it was good for food, or it was a delight to the eyes, it was good for food, and it was desired to make one wise. She saw something and it was there that she began to covet that thing. And in Achan's story, that's exactly what happened. He was tempted with the lust of his eyes. He saw it, he wanted it, and he took it. He coveted it, and he took it. He took it. So this sin is what Jesus would call, uh, in the parable of the sowers, the deceitfulness of riches. Do you remember when Jesus is talking about, in the parable of sowers, some seed was sown uh, along the path, and Satan picked it up and took it away. The other seed fell uh, among uh, 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 in rocky soil and it sprang up and, and, uh, and it didn't last long because it had no depth for root. Some seed fell among the thorns. And Jesus describes the thorns as the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches will strangle out faith, true saving faith in Jesus. And so this is a real-life example of how the deceitfulness of riches kept Achan from experiencing the riches of God for eternity. So we see the sin. We see it clearly. And then I want to look at the sin's root. Because you you, you got to understand, if you in your garden will uh, have weeds growing up, and all you do is mow over the weeds or weed eat the, the weeds from the ground up, what's going to happen to the weed? It's going to come right back up. It's going to spring back up. So if I want that to be gone, i got to deal with the what? i got to deal with the root. 
So let's look at the root of Achan's sin. Because it wasn't just a coveting thing. It wasn't just, well, he liked gold bars in this and this beautiful cloak and 200 shekels of silver. It's not all it was. So what I want to give to you today is, is that I think there were three causes of sin. Number one is there was a lack of thankfulness. A lack of thankfulness. Some scholars believe that thanklessness is one of the main roots for all of the sin of mankind, all of the sin of humanity, some scholars will say is lumped in the sin of thanklessness. Let me prove it to you. Um, oh, we got it. Praise God. All right. So the next verse is Romans chapter 1, 21 says this, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or do what? Give thanks to Him. They didn't give thanks to Him. And that's problematic. And it says, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then as the passage continues, it says, God gave them over. God gave them over. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 and 2. It says, but understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. Ungrateful. Now, can you just imagine Paul is linking the sin of ungratefulness to all these other sins that we would say, now that's definitely a sin, but most of us don't look at being, having a lack of thankfulness as sinful or problematic to our souls. Now, one thing I'm thankful for is I had the privilege on Thursday night and Friday night to be at a retreat at the Cove, the Billy Graham Cove up in Asheville. Liz met me up there on Friday, and so I, I felt it necessary to give you a Billy Graham quote, okay? So this is what Billy Graham says about thanklessness. He says, Billy Graham, this is Billy Graham, Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks. I think we've got it up on the screen, Mr. James. There we go. Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks to God for all His blessings should be one of the most distinctive marks of a Christian. Nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. That's a pretty hard statement to swallow, isn't it? Billy Graham says that nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. So I believe that one of the roots of Achan's sin was a lack of thankfulness. Now, here's what I want to just, how I want to prove that out of the scripture. Just imagine what God has done for them in the last 24 hours, right? Or in the last two weeks as they've come through the Jordan, or the last 40 years as they walked in the wilderness and God provided for them miraculously. And all that God had done was not enough. He needed a little more. He wasn't thankful in that moment for all that God had provided. He needed more. Are you with me? Can you just imagine having walked with the Lord 
powerfully for a number of years and then coming to a moment where God clearly said, don't do that. And because of a thankless or an ungrateful heart for what God had done, it leads me to take and do what God had clearly told me not to. And this is exactly what we see, a, a lack of thankfulness. And I believe that lack of thankfulness was brought on by, number two, a lack of contentment. Contentment. Achan and all of Israel had been miraculously provided for. Now, just remember, they'd been wearing the same clothes the entire time in the wilderness. Amen? The entire time in the wilderness. God, it says that God uh, made it so their clothes did not wear out, their shoes did not wear out. And then Achan sees a shiny new garment and says, you know, I just got to have that. I don't want the one with God's blessing on it. I want the one that will lead me to disobedience. So he took it. He took it. A lack of contentment. That's looking around in our world. I know none of us struggle with this, do we? Do I? We look around in the world and we, we see other people. And I, said it, I think I said it in my prayer here today um, that... that uh, Life is so public now, isn't it? If you want to know what somebody ate for breakfast, just look on Facebook. And you'll find out. And, and, and on Facebook, I just need you to know, everything you see on the internet is true about them. And it's the whole picture. Have you noticed how, how on Facebook, uh, everybody's family is always smiling? They're in their best clothes. Their house is perfectly kept and in order. And then you go, why can't my life look a little more like their life? It's so easy in this world that we live in where everything is so prominently put right in front of you to be ungrateful and discontent. Amen, somebody? We, we live in, in a, an area of the world that if you got a big house, somebody got a bigger house. If yours is on the lake, somebody's is closer. If you got a boat, they got a bigger one. If you got a nice pick-em-up truck, somebody else has the, the LTE package or whatever it is. If yours are leather seats, theirs make waffles for them in the morning. I don't know. It's always so easy to be discontented, and it's, we're discontent because we're not looking at the things that God has wonderfully provided for us. We have lost our sense of gratefulness and thankfulness, and just as Billy Graham says, there's no quicker way to make us selfish and bitter than to have an ungrateful heart. And so this is what I believe is happening to Achan. He sees this thing and, and forgets all that God has done. And he's showing his lack of contentment and his lack of thankfulness. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. I've seen some people try. I literally, one of my first handful of funerals, 
was a guy who got saved out of a biker gang. And in my office, he was dying. In my office, he trusted Jesus. When he died, his wife looked at me and said one of his final wishes was to have his Harley buried with him. I'll ask. It's going to be a big hole. He tried, right? But I don't think it's possible to take anything with you. It says, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Now, let's just be honest. Our definition of contentment is slightly different than Paul's definition of contentment. Then it goes on to say, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless or harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The desire to be rich, the lack of contentment, and the desire for more plunge people into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires, and into ruin and destruction. Does that sound like Achan? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving. Do you see that word? This craving. That's exactly what happened to Achan as he's walking through Jericho. He saw it and he had a craving. He looked upon it. It was beautiful and he coveted it. Coveted it. He says, through this craving, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Jesus would call this the deceitfulness of riches. See, riches can be a counterfeit of what the true riches of Christ are. The third root of this would be a lack of faith. A lack of faith. Well, how did you get that? How did you bring in faith from this? Well, the Bible does. Chapter 7, verse 1, But the people of Israel broke faith with the God of Israel. Do you see that? It doesn't just say they sinned against the God of Israel. It says they broke faith. The Hebrew says they acted faithlessly, unfaithfully. They broke faith. They stopped, Achan stopped trusting that God was good and that he was giving him all that he needed. And I just need you to know when we begin to doubt that God is good and that he's given us all that we need, we fall into the same snare that Achan does. We cease being content, we cease being thankful, and we begin to fall into a snare. There's a, one, one pastor says it this way, he says, I think we've got it up on the screen, thankfulness is a deeply rooted trust that God is good, that you have more than you deserve, and that He is at work in all things, even disappointments. Even disappointments. Thankfulness is a trust A deeply rooted trust that God is good no matter what. That God has given you more than you deserve no matter what. And that He is working in all things, even your disappointments. I said a few weeks ago when we talked about the memorial stones on the side of the Jordan out of Joshua chapter 4, I talked about how One of the great enemies of faith is forgetfulness. And that's why God said, 
put up these memorials so you can take your children and your grandchildren back to the side of the Jordan River and you can look at those stones and you can be reminded, you can remember all that God has done for you. And here we see these memorial stones and we see how Achan forgot God's mercy, God's grace, and God's provision. So that was sin's root, a lack of thankfulness, contentment, and faith. And I think they are in sequence. So let's look at sin's consequence. What happened? What happened? Well, if you look at verse 5, chapter 7, verse 5, and the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men. Now here's the thing. They got proud. Did you see that back in the earlier verses? It says they, they went and they searched out I, and, and when they searched out I, they came back and reported to Joshua, don't take everybody. We only need about 3,000 men to take out the city of I. We don't need everybody. Leave some uh, in the camp, and we'll take this small army, and we'll go out and we'll demolish them with our 3,000. Because did you see what God did to Jericho? Surely he's going to do it again. But they broke faith with God, and sin's consequence was when they went out, not under the blessing of God, they experienced defeat rather than victory. 36 of their men were killed. And then in verse, in verse 5, at the very end, it says, And the hearts of people melted and became as water. Can you imagine coming out of Jericho, the strength of your faith? Because you've seen physically with your eyes, you've seen God fight for you. You've seen what God can do. And now, just a few verses later, they move from an incredible faith to fear. And it's all because of sin's consequence. In verse 12, if you'll turn to verse 12, it says this, Therefore the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. This is the wrath of God. God's wrath. Now we talked about Wednesday night, uh, how there is an active wrath and a passive wrath. The active wrath of God is where He is actively against you. Where in Revelation chapter 2 it says that He threw her onto a sickbed. And here what it says is not an active wrath of God, but rather a passive wrath of God. Do you, listen to me, do you want to know what life is like without me? You want to know what it's like to fight a battle without the strength of the Lord behind you? Do you want to know what it's like to walk into a city alone? Here you are. Tony Evans said that maybe America is not experiencing the active wrath of God, but rather the passive wrath of God. Maybe so many churches are not experiencing the active wrath of God, but rather the passive wrath of God. When maybe so many of us as individuals or maybe our families that, that are going through so many things are not experiencing the active wrath of God where God is pouring out His wrath upon you and doing these things to you, but rather when we break faith with Him, when we walk away from Him, it's as if He's letting us figure it out on our own. You want to do life without me? Here's what it's like. And this is the passive wrath of God in this passage. 
And the last consequence that we see is found in verse 25 and 26 where Joshua said, why did you bring this trouble upon us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones and they burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Now, I need you to know something. It says they stoned them with stones. Who's the them? It's all the household of Achan. I want you to just realize yet again that the sin of a single individual always permeates further than we think. The ripple effects of sin never stay private. The ripple effects of sin will always move out in waves and they will hit the people closest to us first. The wages of sin in this passage is what? Death. They raised over them a great heap of stones. After being stoned and after being burned, they they piled stones on top of them. And yet another memorial is in Israel. Oh, 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 oh gosh. Guys, would would it be true of us? I would rather have a memorial of Joshua 4 in our land than a memorial of Joshua 7 in our land. This is why we must stay close to God. This is why we as individuals and we as churches must hold tightly to God, follow Him closely, and we must listen to Him and be obedient to Him. Why? Because I don't want a Joshua 7 memorial in our land. And then it says in verse 26, the Lord, then the Lord turned from His burning anger. So the consequence of sin was death. The wages of sin is death. What's the solution to this sin? Well, we see it in this passage. Look at verse 19, 719. We see Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. If you and I are going to find the solution for the consequence of sin it starts with a clear confession of sin it starts with repentance and then secondly if if we're going to find a solution for our sin we must understand that the wrath of God must be satisfied this is where Jesus comes in for every one of us All of us have sinned, the Bible reveals. Every one of us has sinned against a holy God. All of us deserve the wrath of God. And all of us have the wrath of God aimed at us in full measure. The Bible gives us a word about how the wrath of God can be satisfied for us. It's a a word called propitiation. You can find it in Romans chapter 3. You can find it in 1 John chapter 4 or chapter 2 and 4, I believe. And this word propitiation literally means that God's wrath is satisfied. And the Bible reveals that God's wrath can only be satisfied not because He removes it, but because He spins it in full. How is it that if I deserve the wages of sin, which is death, if I deserve the wrath of God, how can God's wrath be satisfied and I be saved? 
That's the great question that Christianity answers. How can God be just and merciful? How can He destroy in me the thing that He hates without destroying me? And the answer is Jesus. That there on the cross, Jesus hung, and it says that He bore the sin of many. It says that He became the sin of mankind. And on the cross, the very perfect Son of God bore the entirety of God's wrath at the sin of mankind. The torrent of God's wrath, the flood of God's wrath, all of it in full measure was poured out on Jesus the Son so that you and I could be saved. My sin He took, He therefore took all of the wrath of sin and set the captive free. The good news of the gospel is that you, if you are a sinner in need of a Savior, we have an all-sufficient Savior. Spurgeon said, I have a, a great need for a Savior, and then he said, I have a great Savior for my need. You can, we can never be good enough. We can never work our way into heaven. That's why we need a Savior. I can never be perfect. Achan's one sin. Adam and Eve's one sin deserved God's wrath. How much more do my many sins deserve God's wrath? So the only solution is for the wrath of God to be poured out because this is what it says. Once Achan died for his sin, God turned from his anger. There on the cross, after God poured out his anger on the sun, the sun said, it is finished. And it was. The wrath of God had been poured out in full. Forever. So if you today know you need a Savior, trust Jesus. Don't trust a pastor, another person, a parent. Trust Jesus. R.G. Lee, a great preacher, he says it like this. Grace is the unlimited and unmerited favor of God to the utterly undeserving the unlimited and unmerited favor of God to the utterly undeserving, and that is us. And the grace and mercy are Jesus. So, let me get practical for just a couple minutes as I close and as I, I make some application here. How do then we then live a life of thanksgiving? Here's what I want you to hear. Thanksgiving, or being thankful, thankfulness is a discipline. It is a discipline. You want to know why it's a discipline? Because you don't always feel like being thankful. Amen? We don't always feel like being thankful. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances. You mean every circumstance? I think that's what the word all means, right? I'm not a Greek scholar, but all means all. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
Have you ever said, I wonder what God's will is for me? Well, rejoice, pray, and give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. What about when I don't feel like it? Give thanks. What about when everything's not going well? Give thanks. What about when I, I have... Uh, when I have little, give thanks. What about when I have a lot? Give thanks. What, what about when everything's going well for me? Give thanks. What about when the world's against me? Give thanks. You can't give thanks in all circumstances if you're not disciplined about it, right? It's a disciplined focus. It's a disciplined focus. What I mean by that is we often are ungrateful because our focus is off. I'm focused on all the things that I don't have rather than all the things that I do have. That's why the song is so helpful this morning. Count your blessings. I don't want to count them. Count them. I promise we need it. We need it. Turn your focus. Or we got to focus on the right thing. And focus on the people that you got in your life. You might say, well, I don't have anybody in my life. If you're a part of a church family, you got a family. If you're a part of God's family, you have Jesus everywhere you go. Don't forget what that, that quote was, uh, that thank, thankfulness is a deeply rooted trust that God is good, that you have more than you deserve, and that He's at work in all things, even in disappointments. So even in disappointments, turn your focus Remember the promises of God that say He works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So even in disappointments, turn your focus rather on what you're lacking, turn it to what you have been given. Two, a, di a discipline of remembering. Of remembering. Why did the Jews celebrate Passover? To remember. Why did, why did we celebrate Good Friday? To remember. Easter, to remember. Christmas, to remember. We are a forgetful people. Miles asked me last night, us last night after our Bible story, he said something along the lines of, why did Israel make so many mistakes? Why didn't they just get it? And we had the conversation last night of, it's because we're just like them. Did, did you hear what Joshua said? Oh, man, I wish we just could have found a place on the other side of the Jordan to dwell there. What? Have you forgotten? Yes. It's a discipline of remembrance. We need to remember better. And it's a discipline of expression. Expression. What do I mean by that? I want to, I want to use three, three Ps, all right, so you don't forget them. Prayer, praise, and proclamation. Prayer, praise, and proclamation. You need to express. It's a discipline of expressing your thankfulness to God at all times. How do we do that? We pray and we thank God in our prayer. We praise God. We sing to Him. And in our song, remembering and focusing, we express our thanksgiving to God in all circumstances. Paul says in, Romans, or in Ephesians chapter 5, to sing to Him with thanksgiving in our hearts. The Psalms is all songs of thanksgiving. We sing, we pray, we proclaim. What about when I don't feel like it? John Piper says, 
He says it like this, Your aim in loosing your tongue with words of gratitude is that God would be merciful and fill your words with the emotion of true gratitude. Loose your tongue and ask God to fill your words and your heart with the emotions. Let your tongue start and let your heart follow. That's Ryan Perry version. He says, thanksgiving in the mouth stirs up thankfulness in the heart. We are a thankful people in prayer and praise and in proclamation all the time. Pray when you don't feel like it. Sing when you don't feel like it. Proclaim it to some uh, other people, even when you don't feel like it. God is good, even when I'm struggling. And, and Paul gives a great example of that in Acts chapter 16 when he's in jail. He and Silas are in jail. And what are they doing in jail? Singing, praising God. Sharing Jesus with the jailer and all of the other folks there. Job, Job, everything is taken away from him. His wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? The Lord gives, Job says. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He lost everything. You feel like you woke up that morning. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go praise the Lord this morning. I'm going to go give him thanks. You think he felt like that? Of course not. But we see, we see through the book of Job... That his words started, he loosed his tongue in thanksgiving, and his heart followed in praise. Thankfulness is not circumstantial, it's a discipline. So to end with Billy Graham's statement, he said, Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks to God for all his blessings should be one of the most distinctive marks of a Christian. Let us learn to be a thankful people. Let's pray. Father, truly we miss it so many times. So many times we, we're not a thankful people. We're dissatisfied, we're selfish, we're lovers of self, lovers of money, we're proud, we're arrogant. We're ungrateful, we're unholy. And it's, Father, it's because we are not disciplined in thankfulness. It's because we have our focus turned away from true riches is because we don't remember well. We are forgetful people and because we don't do what we don't feel like doing. Feelings drive us rather than obedience. So Lord, may this people, this group of people right here in this sanctuary, may we become a thankful people by the grace of God for the glory of God. And may others see our thankfulness in all circumstances and be drawn to the God who gives us all good gifts. May we share the greatest blessing that we have with people, which is Jesus. May people be saved. Father, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you need to stand.